Now, in Acts, the 12th chapter, and what I love about this, yesterday we were praying points here, but as we were praying, as and I will have to say to you, the majority of revelation that I receive could be in study, could be in listening to other ministries, but the vast majority of revelation that comes to me personally is during prayer. As I, as I pray and meditate upon the scriptures, as I pursue God, God will unfold. He'll, in, he'll just take the word and just bring it alive and show me things that I didn't know before. But we came together in corporate prayer as we do every Saturday morning, not at 714, but at 830. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. So we come together, and as we were praying, the Lord just began to open, open, open revelation. And so I want to expound upon that a little bit beyond what we talked about yesterday. But here in Acts 12, beginning in verse 1, we're going to go down to verse 10. It says, About that time, King Herod extended his hand to harm certain ones from the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Seeing that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to arrest Peter also. This happened during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, handed him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church prayed to God without ceasing for him. The very night when Herod would have brought him out. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. The guards before the door were securing the prison. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord approached him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, Rise up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, dress yourself, put your sandals on, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He went out and he followed him but did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate leading to the city, which opened to them by itself. They went out, went forward on one street, and immediately the angel left him. Now skip down to verse 19. This is after the great escape. I should have named it that. See, the anointing is just, you're feeding me, the great escape. Oh, change that title, please. So there was no small stir, the Bible says, among the guards. Of course there wasn't, because they lost their prisoner. They lost their prisoner. There's no small stir among hell, because hell lost its prisoner. When you were escaped through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 19, it says, when Herod had searched for him. They looked all, they couldn't find him. Where's Peter? Where's Peter? I don't know. We've looked under every bench. We've, we've checked every chain. We've gone sail to sail to sail. We cannot find Peter. 
he examined the guards you always got to have somebody to blame and he commanded that they should be put to death we'll get to that in just a few minutes but I'm going to start out as we talk about the great escape verse 5 it starts here this is where the body of Christ needs to begin to focus in it says Peter was kept in prison but the church prayed what we're gonna see is there is a release see Peter is the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Peter is in the prison the Apostle we have renamed in our modern vernacular we we rename in the church the apostles as missionaries what was the purpose of the of the apostle they were to go and set forth the church not just to reach unreached people groups but to establish the church so that the Lord could begin to grow the church in order that more apostles and more prophets and more teachers and more evangelists and those uh, areas of administration and gifts and helps and uh, whatever facet you're called to to the body of Christ they were meant to go establish those beachheads in order to see the the kingdom of God begin to grow and to begin to further in that area region but we see here that the apostle is held in the prison He's held in the prison so we could liken Peter as we know his position in office is that of an apostle that there's in these last days there must be a release of the revelation of the apostle and the apostolic ministry as it goes forth to reach unreached people groups but what I want you to tune in on is this but the church the ecclesia is what that word it wasn't a, a an original word when Jesus called his 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 church his he called them the ecclesia it was a word that he used because it was understood in the culture where they lived that word ecclesia literally means out from and to to be called it was when a group of citizens were called out into an area to deliberate business in order to conduct business they would call them out of the home and they would gather that crowd together that was called the ecclesia and they would they would in that position now execute the blind to see upon the doctrine of understanding of all that uh, I have done in the completed to tell us I finished work on the cross he said I'm gonna establish my ecclesia my ecclesia is the called out ones and the called to ones to go out and begin to establish my kingdom throughout the entirety of the earth. And just for your information, the gates of hell will not prevail against my ecclesia, my church. Now it looked like hell was, was having a pretty good heyday. They killed James and now they've imprisoned Peter. But the church came together. The ecclesia came together. 
The ecclesia came together, and in coming together, they began to petition the one true and only monarch in which we serve, the Lord God Almighty, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And they petitioned the one who reigns over all of creation, and they requested of him that this apostle be released from this prison. Now, I want to share something with you, and it's something I think that will help to clarify our authority here on earth. Would you agree with me that the monarch, the sovereign, the king, the queen, they reign over their kingdom? Amen? And I think in our, in our rule of government, it's sometimes difficult for us to understand this hierarchy of a monarchy because we live in a democratic democratic society we understand according to our history that man is imperfect and that because of the tyranny of the monarch in England there was such oppression that was taking place in America that required a division which came about as an independent free people from that monarchy because now we are the United States and not only declared independence, but we fought for independence and God honored that. And now we as the Americans, United States, we are free, amen, to govern ourselves. But all of that aside, we see in a monarchy, we'll use Queen Elizabeth because we have a reference. That's our immediate reference, Queen of England. The queen, 70, I think. The queen reigns, but she does not rule. She reigns, but she does not rule. After the outgoing prime minister goes out, after he has left, and she's had 14 in her reign, 14 prime ministers, the equivalent of possibly our president, said the incoming prime minister arrives and she will formally ask the prime minister that's coming in that has been elected to that office, she will ask him each and every time, will you form a government in my name. Is she asking that prime minister to reestablish the government? To alter the constitution and such in the rule of that land? No, what she is asking is will you assume the position and the responsibility to now govern, rule this country in my name. You say, well, what does that mean to me? Glad that you ask. Exodus 23, verses 20 and 21. We see, indeed, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you as, along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. The Lord speaking to Moses. 
But be on guard before him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgression. For my name is in him. My name is in him. I'm going to bring some clarity in just a minute. Some of you are like, what is he saying? He's making me so nervous. See, it's baffling to us because we look to the God who reigns. But see, just like every prime minister that passes through, they are asked, will you rule and during your time, will you rule in my name? Will you establish the government in my name? I believe as every generation passes from one generation to the next, the Holy Spirit comes and we are born into the kingdom of God. And as we are born into the kingdom of God, the question still remains, will you, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Will you, Ecclesia, those who have been called out, will you, chosen ones, carry forth the apostolic ministry? Will you proclaim in this nation into many generations? Will you establish my governance on earth in my name? See, in Exodus there, the angel had, my name is in him. See, so often we think that we can speak the name of Jesus, and yes, there is power in the name of Jesus, but it's more powerful than what we understand. He was not proclaiming in the name of Jehovah God. The name of Jehovah God was within him. New Testament revelation of what I've just said to you. There was a, a seven sons uh, that came together and Jewish exorcists uh, came together and they were wanting to cast out a devil in the name, in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul, the apostle. I want you to catch that part. But when they came together, the devils declared, Jesus I know. In fact, I know Paul, too. I have no idea who you are. They stripped them naked and ran them out of town. Now, that's not to bring fear upon a child of God. But what we need to understand is that uh, he knows. He knows the name of Jesus. And he knows also whom the Lord has put his name into. So I don't just don't speak in the name of Jesus. I speak from the name of Jesus because I am a child of the king and I have accepted, you have accepted your position as rightful heirs to the throne of grace and that you are called of God and that we are ruling for the Lord in his name. Now this is where humanity gets it all twisted up. They think that to rule in God's name is to rule God. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he is supreme. But he has imparted to you and I 
the authority. He said, I have all authority, just like in the Garden of Eden when, when the Lord told Adam, I said, look, I'm going to give you dominion and authority over all of the earth, the, the, the birds in the sky and the fish of the sea and everything that crawls and creeps, you have dominion over that. But Adam forsook the name of God, and in so doing, sin came upon all the earth. But when Jesus came back after his resurrection, he said, all authority has returned to humanity in me. Now you go in my name and cast out devils. You go establish the government that I have called you to establish. You go do it in my name. I reign and I give you the authority to rule. Does that not bring some clarity to somebody? Amen. I was walking through a hospital one day, Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm walking by and I hear down the, down the hallway corridor, this, guy, this, this eerie noise coming from this room. I wouldn't pay much attention. I was going to visit somebody in the church that was sick. And I passed by the room, and this man was facing forward, and this eerie, hellish voice said out loud, Preacher. Never even looked at me. Don't know them to this day. Don't know who they were. Never laid eyes upon them. Preacher. I said, oh, shut up, devil. I ain't got time for you. Kept going. <laughs> See, what's true for Paul is true for you. What's true for Jesus is true for you. Woo, it's truth. See, he's not just telling you to speak in his name, his name, covenant God, Jehovah, Messiah, salvation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, his name is in you. You are a child of God. You are who he says you are. Anyway, I thought we needed to get that cleared up. So, I want you to see here as we are on mission, we are on mission. Did that help anybody this morning? Did that help anybody this morning? It kind of clears some of the air and the cobwebs. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is all these things happening? Isn't God supreme? Absolutely supreme. But in God's hierarchy, he has given authority to his church. That's why he said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Ecclesia called out. You are, when we come together in prayer, you know what's happening? It is just as if we step into the House of Representatives, we step into the, in, into the Senate, and we sit down, and we now hold authority in that office in which we occupy. Amen? Now, some of, those, some of those senators and some of those House of Representatives, I'm sure that they go out. They're not only a dad. They're not only a father. Some of them may be ministers. Some of them may, have, may be lawyers and business owners. They could have a whole lot of other titles. But when they walk in and sit down at that seat and they are taking their elected position, they are now in the governance and the authority that comes with that office Oh, my God, I wish the church would realize. Just get two of us together, and you got the ecclesia. And now we got a government established in his name, not outside of his name. I don't want to do anything without God's guidance. I don't want this thing if I can't have God. I'll mess you up so fast. 
drive you straight off into a ditch. <laughs> but man, if we will follow the Spirit of the Lord, He'll keep us on the road that leads to Jesus uh, and victory and liberty. We'll cross the goal line and we'll score the points. Amen? We may be looking at a series right here. Okay, let's look. It's usually how I stumble into them. I love this passage here. In this one verse, the Lord just shoved so much stuff. It's just like an overstuffed turkey. It's got everything. It's got, it's got dressing. It's got onions. It's got jalapenos. It's got, it's got everything you'd ever want in a turkey. never had a jalapeno stuffed turkey you have not lived yet she has not seen the light yet I'm gonna have to verse 7 is what I'm talking about verse 7 and suddenly don't you love the Lord's suddenlies the suddenly oh I'd live for the suddenlies suddenly an angel would you a messenger a, a, div, a divine one who's been sitting in the presence of Almighty. One who has occupied and seen and lives in the heavenly realm. One who understands their place and position. One whose name Jehovah is in them. And suddenly, steps forth from the unseen to the seen steps in with him there's such a glorious glow of light in that darkened prison oh somebody walked in here this morning and you thought is there any escape from this darkness oh yeah there is a supernatural extraterrestrial light that's now trying to infiltrate the darkness of your heart and darkened understanding in that prison cell where there was light that began to shine that was not an earthly light it was not produced on earth's side it wasn't a candle lit they didn't have electric light bulbs shining there was no moonlight peeking in from maybe a window in the distant. No, there was a supernatural light that began to illuminate that prison cell. What was that light? So thankful that you ask. What is the light that we are to illuminate? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life. Life. And that life is the light of men. The life is the light of men. How? Once you come into the knowledge of this light, you can't put a bushel over it. No. Oh, don't you love that little kid song that comes from Scripture? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Oh, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Woo, give yourself a hand. What is the light? That's shown in the prison. Oh, it's his life. There was a dark night, one night when I was wrestling with the Lord. And oh, it seemed like the darkness was so dark and the chains were so heavy that I didn't know if I was ever going to see the light of day. Then all of a sudden, at the very cry of the light, I said, oh, Jesus, Lord, save me or kill me, but don't leave me like this. And in that moment in my prison cell in my heart, in my darkened understanding of trying to be good enough to get into the kingdom, trying to work hard enough in order that I could have the favor of my heavenly father. He said, oh no, there's a life and that life is my light. And it came and began to illuminate my heart. Now, Oh, before the chains fall, fell. And this is where the church is right now, in the crossroads of our greatest moment. That light, that angelic being, shook old Peter. He said, Wake up. Get up! Wake up! I believe, church. Notice what happened. He woke up and the chains fell. 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 I want you to know, when you awake to righteousness, you don't want to sin anymore. <laughs> Come on, you don't want to sin anymore. When you awake to righteousness, you understand that you are as you ought to be, and you're divinely approved and accepted before God because he, you couldn't do it yourself, but he made you what you should be. And as long as you try to do it yourself, you're always going to falter. You're always going to fail. You're always going to end up in the same ditch that you always end up in. And there's this repetitive cycle of come in and feel life but you don't awaken to the righteousness of who you ought to be and you don't come into the knowledge of God Almighty living on the inside of you you end up in the same place over and over and over and over again but my God when you are pierced with righteousness and you begin to understand wait a minute I can't do this myself but Lord has already done it and now by faith in him he has made me as I ought to be When you awaken to righteousness, the chains fall off. The chains fall off. Are you seeing that? It is for freedom he has set you free. It is for freedom he has set you free. I love what Andrew showed you this morning. 
See, there's a progression. If you think you're going to be free and stay in that prison cell, then you have missed the, the idea of why God sets you free. And if you stay, there is, a, there is a space in time, but I see there was an immediate departure when the angel didn't say, hey, just hang out here for a couple more days and, you know, let's wait till morning because, you know, everything will be okay. You just keep on doing what you're doing in the lifestyle you're still doing it and you just keep on disobeying God and disobeying God and disobeying God and you stop growing and you just stay where you're at and stay where you're at. Let me tell you, it's not going to be long if those soldiers that the Lord has caused to fall into a very deep slumber are going to awaken and those shackles that came off of you will go right back on you. See, the Lord wants you to grow in the knowledge of what has been accomplished which means you got to get up from your prison cell and you got to walk out through the strength and the power of God I don't want to keep lapping the same bush in my life I want to grow I want to move you want to move you want to grow you want to go from crawling to to walking and my our little juniper I got the video snapchat from her the other day and not from her from her mother but she she stood up to keep from falling she stopped takes off walking my nine-month-old is now walking that's healthy progression we don't expect you to be walking when you can't crawl we first crawl then we walk and then we run but we begin to get increase in the knowledge and the revelation of God as our our understanding can comprehend it we keep moving forward in a progressive way keep hungering after the things of God if you're not hungry we need to do a heart check on you an assessment I mean if you're gonna be alive you gotta have a pulse Amen. It's like trying to fake the fact you're alive. You're stiff as a board and cold as a fish. You're just dead. Amen. Andrew used to work in a funeral home, and those corpses are just, man, you could tell them how ugly they were, and they didn't move. I wonder if y'all are listening. <laughs> you know, it's like, your makeup's not good. This is, you're just, anyway, let's, let's not go there. See, when the light of the life, the life of God shone in our heart, and then we awake to righteousness, our chains fall off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over that and I'm going to go right to the end right now. Because if we don't get to this and understand its relevance and importance, we may not get to the rest of it. When Herod searched for him, did not find him, examined the guards, commanded that they should be put to death. Four squads of soldiers. Squad was group of four most likely the guards had different shifts through the night could be four could be 16 but we know that two guards they understood the importance of what was taking place they had a that had they had a high priority prisoner which meant if he 
escaped, we die. If he escapes, we die. So two of them are guarding the door because and the other two are chained up. It didn't matter if one of them let him go. All four of them were going to die. A high-priority prisoner. Because for him to escape, he's going to go back to the ecclesia that's been calling him out of this prison. He's going to continue to establish the church in unreached people groups and establish the understanding of righteousness in the hearts of the unrighteous and they're going to understand who they are truly called to be and so we've got to keep him in a very secure location but it really doesn't matter how secure that location is from hell's point of view there is something stronger than the stronghold and it's the prayers of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ so don't lose hope over your sons and your daughters because your prayers are stronger than the stronghold that they are being held under and you continue to pursue the Heavenly Father that they may be delivered. Now, in order for me to walk as a liberated individual, Something had to die. That Christ died and rose again, we understand that, but I'm talking about you individually. We're talking about the call of God in your life and the purpose of the call of God in your life. The Lord spoke to me this week and he said this, it is time to stop sacrificing your destiny and your calling and your legacy at the altar of your insecurity. See, the proclamation of this gospel is not just set aside for a select few. You are all called into the kingdom of God. You're all called for the purpose and the positioning and the planning. If you come here any length of time, this is what you're going to get. <laughs> I want you all in all the time, all the way. Because I believe what God has in store is so much better. I love that chorus. Uh, your ways are better than my ways. Your plans are better than my plans. Uh, I'm not going to judge you. Uh, I'm not going to try to harm you in any way or position you somewhere that, that you don't belong or you don't fit. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. All I'm here to do as, a, as the apostle at this house uh, is to say to you, you have a call upon your life. Uh, you have a purpose upon your life. Uh, and it's time that you be set free from all of those voices. Uh, voices of your past telling you you can and you won't it's time you stop sacrificing at the altar of your guilt it is time you stop sacrificing your legacy at the altar of your regret your past is past put it in the ground what what we see here in the word of god is what the is what the author said i reckon myself dead <laughs> I reckon myself dead. Likewise, Paul talking to the church at Rome, he said, likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that tell me? The light of the life of Christ has shone in my heart. 
I've awakened to the fact that I am as I ought to be. I am godly approved, divinely approved in Christ, and my faith is in him. Now I've awakened to righteousness. I don't want to sin anymore. I sin no more. And now I leave, and the guards that were guarding me, they're dead. Stone cold dead. Stop resurrecting them. They're dead. You're not who you were. You're a new creature in Christ. Every single time, every single day, every moment of every minute of every day. You are not a slave. You're not an employee. You're not punching the clock, hoping, hoping that somehow, some way, you can earn enough merits to get over the, the finish line, knock on the pearly gates, and say, Peter, would you let me in? No, those gates are already open to the righteous of God. You don't know all you had to do is just high-five Peter on the way by. Hey, brother, good to see you. Thank you for not giving up. Amen. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying your past is dead, along with your sin, along with every word that has ever been spoken over to you that was not from God. Every word that told you that you were worthless and no good and you never amount to anything, every demonic spirit that's ever told you that you have failed and you'll continue to fail, let me say to you, uh, the failure is, uh, is, is on the failure. That is Satan himself. And yes, without Christ, I cannot do it. But with Christ, I can I can, I can, I can do all things. The question is, is will you, will I? Yes, we will. Lord, send us. Lord, send us, send us, send us to the nations. Lord God, to the generations. Lord God, send us. See, see how beautiful this wonderful good news really is. That the completion of of our glorious approval with God has been accomplished in Jesus. The only way that I walk in the assurance and confidence is in faith in Him. Faith in Him. Now there's one passage of Scripture, and I am closing. One passage of Scripture that perplexed me for years. If your heart fails you not, can you finish it? Then you have confidence with God. I've wrestled with the Lord over that scripture. I said, Lord, where's, I want confidence. The Lord's given me far more courage than he gave me confidence. You thought I was going to say far more zeal than he gave brains, but that's for another day, okay? What does it mean to be courageous? It means that you don't wait for fear to leave. You just go do it in spite of fear. You just, I'm afraid, but I'm still going to do it. And if you'll step out and encourage, then through your experiences, your confidence can grow. But I, I wanted more than just a head knowledge. I wanted the confidence of an unfailing heart. Anybody ever had that wrestling? But I've come to realize where my confidence is now. It's not in me. It's not whether people like me or don't like me. It's not in whether I succeed or fail. My confidence is in Him.
That means my faith is connected to him. And now my confidence lies in the completed work of Christ. That's what it means to be in the Lord. And if you will walk there, you will begin to talk there. You'll begin to live there. You'll begin to walk with the Lord. You'll begin to understand every time that the enemy wants to come along and add works to your righteousness, you're like, nah, I've been there and I've done that. And I don't need any more self-effort to make me right before God. I'm just going to cling to faith. I'm just going to hold on by faith that what he did is enough. Guards, get off me. I don't want no more of that insecurity. I don't want no more of that regret, guilt, shame. I reckon those things are dead. Dead. Dead, dead, dead. They don't talk. Don't stop giving them a voice. They're dead. They're dead. How is this possible? Because there was a supernatural light that came into the prison of your heart that awakened the destiny that you've called to, to leave a legacy in this world. And now you've awakened to the right standing before God and all the sin and the things that held you bound fell off and you walked out and then you're walking out. The things that held you, church, are dead. Dead. Don't tell me who you are. Tell me who he is in you. I was raised this way. Well, I don't have time to get into the place that I was raised. It wasn't a pretty place. It wasn't pretty. We, all, if you want to know, I'll tell you sometime. But let me tell you, it, it wasn't a good place. I didn't have any heritage of righteousness. I didn't have any understanding. I lived in hell called home. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm saying to you, if God can do it for me, see, that's why, Sam, that's why he called me. He called me so that nobody else could have an excuse. <laughs> no one else can have an excuse. Amen? Stand, if you will. Worship team, if you will, make your way up. feel the I just feel the wave I feel the compassion of the father right now I feel the compassion of the father and the father saying to you right now I've called you not to continue to live in that bondage stop rehearsing what you can't do stop declaring to the Lord who you are that is contrary to this word you are not insecure insecurity is not the new humility it's pride you are not the sum total of your failures you are the sum total of his successes. Let me say it again. 
you are not the sum total of all your failures. You are the sum total of all his successes. Because as he is in the world, as he is, so are we. So are we. Right now, there's somebody in this house and you've wrestled like I've wrestled. You've wrestled against that condemning heart. I kept telling you you were something that you're not. The devil cannot change who you are in Christ. He can only convince you you're not who you are in Christ. If you've had that wrestling in your heart, you're like, I want these things to be dead in me. And I want my righteousness to be sourced from God. I want Him living in my heart, breathing in my lungs, thinking in my... I want God to do what only God can do. I want to be free. I want to be free from this condemnation. These altars are open. Come down and say, God, I, I reckon those things are dead. I'm not going to sacrifice to them anymore. I reckon myself as dead. I'm laying down the regret. I'm laying down the guilt. I'm laying down the past. I'm not going to live there anymore by the strength of God. I'm not going to live there anymore by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I am. You have finished the work in me. Your name is in me. Your governance is in me. I will walk according to your will. Come on. Come on. We got time. We got time. This is the most important moment of this message right now is just lay it down and say, Lord, no more. No more. God, am I going to sacrifice at this altar of regret? No more am I going to put my confidence in my self-effort. I'm going to put my confidence in all that you have done. There are more right now as they begin to play, as we begin to worship. You feel compelled. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. I've lived this way for years as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is saying to you, I have set you free. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord God, for the liberation. Thank you, Lord God, that when you rose on that third day, it was an absolute declaration, Lord God, that, Lord, we have been freed, Lord God, from our sin. We have been freed, Lord God, of our past. We are not who we were. We are dead. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I want you to step out right now. Those of you in the altar, I promise you, you will not leave the way you came. God is doing a work in you. It is his spirit that you hear. Worship team, lead us right now. I need some men and women of God. Come help me pray. Come on.